The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner. GX on Agriculture with Rod McDonald. Good afternoon, everyone. It's uh, 18 after 12, 18 after 1 in Manitoba. Coming up today on GX and Agriculture, just some of the stories we'll cover on the program today. I spoke this morning with Canola Council of Canada agronomy specialist Warren Ward. Had a nice chat about um, canola crop development in the region. We'll hear from Warren on the program today. Then we'll shift to Manitoba where entomologist Dr. John Gavlosky says armyworms and grasshoppers tend to be the uh, most uh, annoying insect pests this time of year. And if time permits on the program today as well, we'll chat with uh, Mike Hall. He's the manager of the East Central Research Foundation in Yorkton. The annual ECRF crop plot tour is coming up here in uh, well, just a couple of weeks, less than a couple of weeks. Uh, Mike will tell us all about that and uh, how you can make plans to attend the ECRF annual crop plot tour. First, though, it's time for the Agriculture Weather Outlook, and it's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. And Sean Prehika, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. DX94, AgriView. And we'll have egg review coming up in just a moment. First, though, Sask Canola and Sask Flax have been exploring options for amalgamating their two organizations. Sask Canola Executive Director Tracy Broughton explains how it all got started. In the fall, Sask Flax was looking for an executive director and um, our board uh, decided to approach their board and and see if there was any interest in um, bringing the two organizations together and determining where the efficiencies lie so that we're um, both using our, you know, levy dollars to the, the greatest capacity to develop their respective crops. Under the plan, Sask Canola would assume the mandate of Sask Flax for flaxseed and straw, including research, advocacy, and market development investments, along with accompanying communications. Flax uh, has some unique um, capacity with respect to variety development investment and uh, research projects are going to be um, typically a little bit different between the two um, crops. For the most part, there are a lot of operational efficiencies that can be gained, and uh, with a small, smaller crop like flax, um, uh, Sask Canola can kind of um, help ensure that the administration costs are are low for the the crop, and uh, making sure that the you know maximum number of levy dollars are going towards the development of flax and uh, the development of canola. I asked Broughton if there's been any pushback from producers to the plan. At this point, we haven't heard any um, any negative feedback. Uh, I think um, I've heard certainly that with smaller crops, they just want to make sure that they uh, their voice is maintained and heard, and that's something that um, we discuss at the the board table. And um, from Saskanola's perspective, um, we certainly respect that, uh, and we want to just make sure that you know there's viable crop options for for all growers. Um, that work on their respective farms. So 
we want to make sure we prioritize the uh, needs of both crops as as we have dollars to do so. And Broughton says the next step toward full amalgamation of the two commissions is to gather feedback from canola and flax growers. Yes, we have an online survey that has been launched. It's available on both websites, and we've we've done a mail out uh, to all of our levy payers, um, both flax and canola. And uh, we really encourage growers to um, go online and fill out the survey. And uh, you know, if there's de- there's details there too. If if growers would like to call our office and discuss um, some of the you know positives and and potential concerns that there might be, uh, we feel that this is very important so that we're serving the needs of our levy payers and and we always like to hear um, feedback from our growers. All Saskatchewan canola and flax growers were sent a notice in the mail encouraging them to participate in the online consultation which will be open to gather input up until November 17th. Survey results will then be shared at both commissions AGMs coming up in January. It's coming up on 12.30 now, 1.30 in Manitoba, and it is time for AgReview, a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. The strike by more than 7,000 B.C. port workers is entering its second week, and the pressure is mounting on the federal government to consider back-to-work legislation. Negotiations have stalled, and the impact on the national economy is growing day by day. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith will have a one-on-one with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau at the Calgary Stampede today. Parliament isn't scheduled to return until September. And from what I've seen, the two parties seem to be moving further away rather than closer together. This would be devastating. Our request has been that Parliament needs to return to end this and to to order people back to work. It is an essential service. Saskatchewan has also weighed in as well. We'd love to see both sides get to the table, come to a common ground, but we understand that, uh, that they're not moving closer together and that requires federal intervention. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith. The BC Maritime Employers Association is continuing to call for the union representing the 7,400 striking port workers to return to bargaining under a voluntary mediation arbitration process. It says the strike has potentially disrupted $4.6 billion worth of cargo. Several business groups, including many in the agricultural sector, have expressed the need for a quick resolution to the dispute. The president of the International Longshore and Warehouse Union Canada told a a Solidarity Rally, rather, that the association has walked away from the bargaining table three times. Shipping costs are already high and will likely continue to increase as regulators set new standards for limiting emissions. Canada and other nations meeting in London have agreed to slash emissions from the shipping industry to net zero by about 2050. Critics say the agreement falls short, though, because it doesn't set a firm deadline. The plan calls for shipping emissions to be slashed by at least 20%, but by as much as 30% by 2030, and at least 70%, but working toward 80% by 2040. Several countries, including Canada, the U.S., and the U.K., have been pushing for even more ambitious targets. 
Canola crops in the region are ahead of their normal development for this time of year. That's according to Canola Council of Canada agronomy specialist Warren Ward from Springside. Ward says canola emerged quite quickly in the spring due to good moisture conditions and warm temperatures. He says there are some signs now of heat and moisture stress in some areas. Environment Canada reported that June temperatures in Yorkton were the second warmest on record. A victory and perhaps a new lease on life for glyphosate. Europe's food safety regulator has determined that the controversial weed killer is safe to use in farming. The European Food Safety Authority says it found no critical areas of concern for human, animal, and environmental health from the use of glyphosate in agriculture. Environmental groups are outraged with the assessment and say the EU pesticide authorization system is deeply flawed and neglects a wealth of independent and peer-reviewed scientific studies that link glyphosate to severe health and environmental problems. Glyphosate is the active ingredient in commercial herbicide products such as Bears Roundup. It was developed in the 70s by Monsanto, which the German agrochemical giant acquired in 2018. And Statistics Canada reports merchandise imports were up 3% in May. At the same time, exports fell by 3.8%. It pushed our trade balance from an $894 million surplus to a $3.4 billion deficit. It was the first deficit in three months and the largest since 2020. Lower prices of energy exports were a key contributor, but demand for wheat and canola also declined. And one of the four large global agribusiness companies has purchased the Prairie Pulse Incorporated facility at Vanskoy to increase its pulse processing footprint in Saskatchewan. Archer Daniels Midland will double the company's processing in the region. Aaron Brown is ADM's commercial manager for Western Canada. I think one of our objectives has been to grow our pulse origination and, and trading in Canada our growing footprint in our destination marketing as well as expansions in uh, our nutrition portfolios have left us a little bit of a hole in Canada from a pulse origination perspective. We've got uh, a facility in North Battleford and uh, the facility in Vanskoy is a nice complement to add to our grower origination. The Vanskoy facility has 12,000 metric tons of storage capacity. We asked Brown what their future plans for the facility are. I think from a Vanskoy perspective, we're looking forward to introducing ADM to the farm base who, who aren't already dealing with us or other locations, you know, taking stock of, of the asset and uh, introducing some new products uh, that the, uh, the facility uh, adds to our portfolio and uh, increasing the throughput capacity on, on the facility as we expand and, and integrate some of the products in, into our ADM network. Brown notes there are currently eight employees at the Banskoy facility. He says they hope to add to the workforce as they scale up production. And that is today's Egg Review. It's uh, 12.36 now, one thirty-six in Manitoba. We have more coming up on the program in just a moment, but first, let's check in again now with Danny Ismond. 
Well, we are at the Yorkton Exhibition. Summer fair time. It's day three. It's family day today. Kinsman Club of Yorkton. Now, I'm looking at uh, the schedule here today, and there's jam-packed with entertainment. Of course, Chariots Chuck Wagon's always a big fan favorite with uh, the grandstands packed for that. But tonight is the uh, ACDC Tribute Band, Who Made Who, on the grandstands. Free with your admission into the gate. And then tomorrow, we have GX94 Presents Tame on the grandstands. That's going to be an awesome show at 9 p.m. And kind of goes right into the uh, the fireworks uh, later on about about 10.30, Yorkton Hyundai fireworks display. So that should be a treat. But remember, tomorrow as well, tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock, the Pennington Casino and Sega Parade celebrating 150 years of the RCMP. That's the theme this year. So lots to uh, do here this weekend, today and tomorrow in Yorkton with the Yorkton Exhibition Summer Fair. Hopefully you'll come on down. And when you do, make sure you come and see me. I do have your chance to win that 5K the easy way with GX94, and I'll get you all the details. It's all at the Yorkton Exhibition Summer Fair today. Milligan Bob. We have the livestock um, closing market coming up here shortly. Many of the usual suspects highlight the latest Manitoba crossed pest, crop pest update. Entomologist Dr. John Gablowski says armyworms are at the top of the list. Uh, and we're not talking Bertha armyworm. We're talking, uh, it's either just called armyworm. Some people call it true armyworm or cereal armyworm. And it likes to feed on preferentially cereal crops and forage grasses and we had quite a large population migrate in this year and we're seeing armyworms really in every agricultural region not not necessarily every field but um, within a region there's uh, often some of the the winter cereals and the early seeded spring cereals uh, do have some armyworms in them and um, uh, some of them are economic populations where people have been controlling them. Other fields, they're there, but they're just not at economic levels. And in some fields, they may be turning into pupa now. So we may start seeing the populations actually decline over the next uh, week or two. But still something that farmers should be checking for a while. Grasshoppers are always an issue. And Gavlosky says there are significant populations of the hoppers in many regions. It varies greatly from region to region and field to field. Um, um, the dominant species we're dealing with this year is called the two-striped grasshopper, which has a very general feeding habit. So um, just something to keep an eye on. Most of them are still juveniles uh, in their late juvenile stages, but there are some adult grasshoppers starting to um, get their full wings. So uh, this is a good time to be scouting, particularly field edges, ditch areas, just to get a sense of what the populations are like. And if any management is needed, um, now is the ideal timing because once they get their full wings, uh, then they're much more mobile. There's one other species that we've been seeing more in the central region of Manitoba, but it might be present in other areas too in some bigger numbers. It's the clear-winged grasshopper. And clear-winged grasshopper, even though they call it clear-winged, it's got dark spots on their forewings. So when they land and close their wings, you see a few dark spots on the wings. They're a grass specialist. And where they're abundant, it would be more your cereals and forage grasses that they'd be feeding on. Dr. John Gavlosky is Manitoba's chief entomologist. Well, it's 19 before 1 now, before 2 in Manitoba, and it is time to check the Livestock Market Report. Livestock market conditions. 
Live cattle futures closed up in trading today. August live cattle, $177 a hundredweight, up to 42. October live cattle, 179.37, up a buck 95. August feeder cattle closed today at 245.42, up 315. September feeder cattle, 248.60, up 327 today. August lean hogs was down at the close, 95.15, down a buck 97. And October lean hogs, 81.37, down 32 cents. Those are today's closing U.S. livestock futures. And of course, we'll have uh, the closing grain prices coming up here in about uh, eight minutes from now at 10 to 1, 10 to 2 in Manitoba. Again, partly cloudy, 18 degrees right now. We'll check the weather in weather details rather coming up at one o'clock this afternoon canola crops in the region are looking pretty good that's according to canola council of canada agronomy specialist warren ward from from springside you know in general i would say we're we're still looking pretty good uh it's been uh we got off to a, a pretty good start in this area i would say and and probably one of the better ones in in recent memory so we're still uh, we're still enjoying some of that, but uh, I think everybody knows it's been a little hotter and a little drier since the since the start of the growing season, and that is starting to show up a little bit as well. Ward says canola crops are developing a little quicker than usual this year. I think we're a little ahead where we've been some of the some of the more recent years, and I think that comes back to that really good start that we had. Uh, canola really emerged quite quickly this year, it seemed like, and uh, that's uh, I would attribute that to just the good moisture conditions and and warm temperatures that we've had. So it's really kept things moving along. Even the insects you, uh, we've noticed have have really been developing fast, and again, a lot of this is driven by those warmer temperatures. And that just seems to speed up the life cycle for some of these things. And I know uh, people probably don't want to hear about it, but they're seeing them anyway. And, and, and one of the insects that I've been hearing a little bit about is is grasshoppers. And that's a, a tricky one. You know, a lot of years it's not a, a major pest for us, but uh, with these hot, drier conditions, that, that can be a concern as well. According to Environment Canada, Yorkton had the second warmest June on record. The mean temperature was 19.6 degrees, much higher than the normal mean temperature for June of 15.5. Are we seeing heat stress in canola crops because of the extreme heat, Warren? Yeah, I think uh, heat and and maybe even moisture stress in some areas as well. Some of those showers have been quite spotty, and you know I think where the where the showers did uh, did come down, it was uh, you can tell that the plants are just handling that heat stress a little bit better. Um, you know, as we look around though and see all the fields and flower and and looking a little closer into the fields from not just from the road, you can tell that uh, that that in general they're they're still hanging in there pretty good. But I think this next little while is going to be critical just to make sure that uh, if we do get some moisture to help keep that keep that crop developing and, and not going backwards. Ward says there are a few things that growers should be scouting for. For myself, the one thing I've been been looking at is doing some assessments for uh, sclerotinia risk. Uh, and again, that's been been pretty hit and miss just depending on the moisture that we've had that uh, that time period about two weeks leading up to flower is pretty critical in terms of having the uh, the um, sclerotia that uh, germinate into apothecia that release the spores for sclerotinia 
and uh, so that that's part of the part of the assessment that I've been doing, and and quite uh, quite variable even from within a couple of miles of of what that risk level would be. So, uh, you know, as as canola is coming into flower, and and some of it's been there for for a while now, but uh, that is that's one thing that's been top of mind for me here this week. And Ward says another plant disease that growers should be watching out for is again that's another one that shows up later on in the season, um, soil-borne disease, and uh, and really it's uh, even even after harvest you can go out and scout for that one because the stubble that's left in the field can can really start expressing those symptoms. So um, that's one that uh, it's been around. It's I guess one of our our newer diseases, and we're still have lots of research going to try and determine you know what uh, you know what it's doing in terms of yield loss and and how we're going to manage that disease. But right now, um, just identifying it and and seeing if it's there is uh, is really uh, our our uh, important uh, important management aspect for that disease. Warren Ward is an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada. It's 12.46 now, 1.46 in Manitoba. Quick break, and we're right back on GX and Agriculture after this. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to GX and Agriculture. I'm Rod McDonald, again filling in for Doug Falconer this week. We have the closing grain prices coming up next. Updates have been made to the Canadian Grain Commission's Grain Grading Guide. The updated standards pertain to sprouting, test weight, and foreign material tolerances. The federal government says these changes, which are science-based, will better meet the needs of the ag sector in Canada and grain buyers around the world. Jim Smolik with the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association says they're in favor of most of the changes. We're definitely in favor of moving to the science-based uh, approach and, uh, you know, and anytime you can do, uh, you know, moving away from visual testing and, and, and that sort of subjectivity to doing objective testing, uh, we're, we're definitely in favor of that and we want to see, we think that's the right direction and we want to see that continue. The second sort of issue we see it, it was the sprout damage uh, and again, that's something that we're very supportive of. Uh, sprout damage is something that uh, you know uh, is going to impact the end use functionality. Uh, when you have sprout damage, you uh, in wheat especially, you'll have uh, acti- uh, sorry alpha amylase activity, uh, which really impacts sort of the, the gluten strength, and and you'll notice that in in loaves of bread that you'll have uh, kind of big holes uh, that, that that enzyme actually uh, takes that strength away, and and so that's not something millers and bakers want to see in, in, in their products. So we're, we're supportive of that. Uh, the third one that we're supportive of is uh, kind of the clarifying the, the screen sizes for canola. You know, obviously this, there's a variety of um, uh, uses for the screens, but the, but better clarifications we're, we're hoping will sort of eliminate any inconsistencies in doctors that farmers have seen in the past. The wheat growers have one concern regarding test weight and total foreign material alignment for some wheat classes. And the reason we're a little bit concerned about that uh, is that uh, the export tolerances for test weight are tighter than the, the, the delivery or the elevator delivery tolerances. Um, and I think when you you know when you kind of consider how that how that works is that the uh, farmer delivers uh, he's delivering and they'll, they'll weigh it into a half liter uh, little container. Uh, you know, it'll be delivered, generally speaking, not commercially clean. Uh, so it would not be an export tolerance standard for, for uh, delivery to a customer of, of Canadian grain. 
so what happens is they, they get weighed. That test weight is done on that uh, as, a, as a raw sample comes in. Uh, and uh, what the, the change is, as we understand, will be to move that test weight taller so that the, weight will, the grain will have to weigh more in that half-liter uh, container uh, because it'll have, to, it'll have to weigh to an export tolerance. Now, this has been something that has been ongoing for years and years, the way it had, you know, previous to this change. So to give you the, you know, kind of the example, a farmer delivers that, that grain that's got some dockage or some, you know, foreign material in it, like could be some pieces of, you know, wheat heads or whatever, you know, a bit of straw, whatever it is, that is always cleaned at port position to an export tolerance. So if it didn't meet it at the, at the elevator, when you, when you clean it to export tolerance, uh, it, gen- it would generally always meet it at the uh, at the terminal position. So having that moved backwards to the to the the country elevator, we we are concerned that this is going to uh, have an impact on producers, and and they were going to be, I guess, in essence, uh, uh, have higher dockage, uh, you know, at, at the country elevator. So that's one of the reasons that you know we're going to watch this and see how this how it plays out. But uh, that's probably the, the area, the biggest area of concern. Jim Smolik is with the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association. The new standards come into effect on August the 1st. Commodities Update. And now here are today's closing grain prices. November canola closed today at 758.70. That was down 340 from yesterday's close. January canola 762.40 down four dollars september minneapolis wheat 847 and three quarters a bushel down 10 and a quarter september kansas city wheat closed today at 818 and a quarter down 25 and a half cents september chicago wheat 649 and a half down eight and a half cents september corn 487 and a quarter down 11 and three quarters August soybeans, 1427 and three quarters, down 20 and a half cents. And September oats closed at 419 and a quarter. That was down 10 cents at the close today. And those are today's closing grain prices. One final time this hour, let's head out to the fair with Danny Ismond. Well, things are starting to pick up here at the Yorkton Exhibition Summer Fair, and uh, you know what? We have uh, a lot on the go. You know, there's some wonderful uh, food booths back here, so if you have that lunch hour and you still have some time, you want to come on down, and you're planning on coming out for the uh, the awesome uh, the show tonight, the uh, ACDC Tribute Band, awesome. Okay, good. You've got time to definitely do that. Uh, we also want to encourage you to come and see everything, though, like the uh, shows, right? There is some great entertainment here. We have the Silver Starlets starting up here soon. Uh, they're they're kind of a trapeze act kind of thing you got to see. There's flying pig racing. They're not flying, but, boy, they do. They get moving. And I can tell you that there's a hockey, uh, extreme hockey guy here. Uh, that is uh, a pretty neat hockey circus show. You know what? You can uh, bet you can do some things you can't do with your equipment. There includes fire on this one. And I can tell you tomorrow, Tebe will be at the grandstands putting on an awesome show. GX94 presenting Tebe at 9 o'clock. So we'll see you on down here. I'm located just down by the grandstands at the Yorkton Exhibition Summer Fair. Double R Auction. Farm Bulletin Board. The annual East Central Research Foundation Crop Plot Tour is coming up later this month. ECRF manager Mike Hall says this marks the 10th year for the event. The collaboration between 
Well, what was Parkland College is now Suncrest and uh, the East Central Research Foundation. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they came together 10 years ago, and that's when I came on and we moved the farm from uh, Kenora to Yorkton. So this will be our 10th our annual one here in, in Yorkton. Registration for the tour is set for July 20th at the research farm located a half mile south of Yorkton on York Lake Road. Registration will kick off at 8.30. The tour itself will begin at 9. And uh, we'll go to no later than 1 p.m. and then end with a, uh, a barbecue lunch at, at the site, which is all free. Mm-hmm. And uh, if anybody... Uh, wants to attend they can give me a text and i don't mind getting text but my phone which is 621-6032 and just let me know you're coming because uh uh it's kind of informal but i do want to know if i've got enough uh stands you know mobile stands to move people around and have bought enough hamburgers and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. to accommodate people we uh usually have Somewhere close to 100 people turn out each year, so it's good for me to have sort of a good approximation of, of who's coming. Hall says several people will also be speaking during the plot tour. We've got some speakers from the other uh, agri-arm sites, so ECRF, which is a farmer board-driven research organization. They're part of a group called AgriArm, and so there's uh, eight of us scattered across the province. So I've got uh, Gersa coming to talk from ICDC and Brianne from NARF. We also have some representatives from uh, Megan from Sask Pulse and uh, Samantha from uh, our uh, Sask Ag will be speaking as well that day. Uh, I think I've nabbed Tom Weir to give a little talk that day. and I'm sure I've forgotten somebody else in there, but uh, basically I the way I like to run my tours uh, is hard and fast. You know, I basically I don't give anybody more than 10 minutes to speak about uh, each project, and that way we get to cover a lot of ground, literally and figuratively, um, and see a good a good good slice of the plots without dwelling too much on any one topic. Hall says they have a wide assortment of crops growing at the ECRF research farm. We've got fava beans, canola, uh, peas, some wheat trials, um, some special crop trials, oak trials, um, canary seed. Um, So, yeah, there's a whole variety, you know, variety type trials, but uh, we focus, you know, we do have Gray Miller's uh, oat variety trial. Um, but a lot of the other trials focus on, you know, uh, sort of integrated management type things with crops, you know, where different fungicides and and um, that sort of thing, different fertility regimes. And, uh, yeah, so, and canola. If I forgot to mention canola there, too. We have, a, we have some canola plots that we'll be showing off as well. Again, the East Central Research Foundation annual crop plot tour will be held July 20th at the research farm located a half mile south of Yorkton on York Lake Road. If you'd like to attend, text Mike Hall at 306-621-6032. Again, that's 306-621-6032. 
if you want to attend the ECRF annual crop plot tour coming up July the 20th. And of course, that uh, is coinciding with Ag in Motion uh, going on in the uh, over in the Saskatoon area. So, yeah, yeah, if you're not going to if you're not going to Ag in Motion, then certainly make plans to attend the ECRF crop plot tour again July the 20th. All right. We'll close out GX on Agriculture now with our precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, and Russell regions. Mainly sunny this afternoon, wind west-northwest or north-northwest 10 to 20, times gusting as high as 30, high 21. Mainly clear tonight, wind west-southwest 10 to 20, overnight low 9. Partly sunny tomorrow, westerly wind 15 to 25, little warmer, high 26. Mainly sunny on Sunday, 60% chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms. Wind west-northwest 15 to 25, gusts up to 40, high Sunday 25. Then heading into the new week, Monday sunshine 22, Tuesday mainly sunny, high near 21. On this hour's temperature roundup, 18 degrees in the Paw, Shoal Lake, Russell, Roblin, Winyard, Wadena, and Kelvington, all 18. 19 this hour for Hudson Bay, Broadview, Mooseman, and Indian Head. 20 degrees in Dauphin and Brandon, and 22 in Regina and Saskatoon. In the Yorkton-Melville region, partly cloudy. The wind is north-northwest 18, relative humidity 43%. Our current temperature is 18 degrees. That's our time for today. Join me again Monday afternoon at 1215 1:15 in Manitoba for GX on Agriculture. It's one o'clock now. Time for GX 94's news and sports headlines. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.